Hello, Spacers. From Austin, Texas, I'm Christopher Schmidt. And on today's show, I'm talking with our good friend, Simon St. Laurent from O'Reilly Media. On this episode, we catch up on topics like tech news, resources, and social commentary of the past week that caught our attention. It's what's uh, become kind of a monthly tradition, and I'm just doing a countdown. Countdown! So I think you'll enjoy the show. should be pretty awesome. Uh, some notes of where I'll be in the upcoming months. In late July, I'll be at the CSS Summit. It's a three-day virtual conference focused on CSS and SaaS. There's super friendly technologies like SVG, Innovation API, Science Systems with some great speakers from all over the world. You don't have to go anywhere. You just save time and um, with you and your colleagues at work. Um, buy tickets at CSSSummit.com and get free recordings once the uh, conference is over. So it's, it's a great way to get up to speed, level up without having to uh, worry about traveling. Uh, speaking of traveling, you can get $50 credit if you've never ridden with Lyft before. Lyft is sort of like Uber, but it's, uh, they don't want me to mention Uber at all, but uh, it's like Lyft. Uh, so just download the app from Lyft, uh, push in the code they give you uh, for $50 credit, so you get a free ride, uh, maybe even two, for uh, just for signing up. You can do that at Christopher.org slash Lyft. That's again, that's Christopher.org slash Lyft. Uh, we'll also be producing an in-person CSS conference called CSS DevConf in mid-October. It's called uh, it's again called CSS DevConf. It's going to be CSS, SaaS, post-CSS, a whole lot more. We have great speakers uh, lined up like Rachel Andrews, Chris Coyer, Trent Walton, Justin Snook, Estelle Weil, Sarah Jasner. Uh, just just going to be a great uh, featured speaker lineup already. And we're going through our double-blind voting results right now, so hopefully we have the rest of the lineup and topics pretty soon, so but it should be great either way, uh, no matter who, who comes up. But uh, well, it's always a great time. So this year you can join us in San Antonio, Texas, on the Riverwalk, one block away from the Alamo. Uh, early bird tickets are still available, but for not much longer. I'm beating up my desk because I want you guys to know about seasons.com uh, tickets because because uh, prices are going to go up very soon. As soon as we announce uh, all the speakers, the prices are going to go up to regular. regular Prices, so uh, definitely get 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 the tickets as soon as you can. About not bringing space, uh, you can set it, forget it. You get the latest show delivered to your email box. Uh, go to newsletter TV, and then every week when there's a new show, they'll send you a link and you can listen to it right away, or you know whatever you get around to, whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat. Uh, you'll find show notes and links discussed in today's episode at notbreakspace.tv, and be sure to follow me on Twitter at Telejet. T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. As always, thank you for subscribing, liking, and telling others about Non-Breaking Space, the show on iTunes. Now, on with the show. Uh, as usual, uh, well, not as usual, but uh, as uh, welcome uh, guest, it's uh, Simon from O'Reilly, um, senior editor still, or no? These days, I'm a strategic content director, but I, senior editor is a lot easier to explain. <laughs> okay, uh, I always mess up your title anyway, so that's okay. That's be our, that's be our uh, running joke anyway. So you're, I always seem to mess mess up your title somehow. So. Sorry about that. Okay, what's uh, your title? Uh, I always mess up my title because I. Uh, I don't know. I uh, I don't I don't know what my title is. What would you say my title is? Uh, awesome creator of online conferences and other good things. I don't know. That's that's pretty good. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Uh, yeah, because uh, I actually printed new business cards. Mm-hmm. I avoided having a title on them all together. Just not so a bad idea. Yeah. So like when I talk to someone, I can just write down like what we talked about, and mm-hmm. and then that way I can just like say this is this is who yeah. I am. I'm, I'm totally. My- uh, my business cards will probably say senior editor for the next five years because I got a new box before the title changed and why change. <laughs> that, that seems like, like how most businesses operate, I think. <laughs> it's like, your business cards probably came in, and by the way, here's a promotion. So, exactly. Yeah. Cool. But, uh, yeah, so we want to talk about, uh, it's been a while, but we usually check in with things that, uh, I guess say topical issues, things that... Yeah. We saw that uh, interest us, and so um, 
what I think about six things, maybe seven. I'm not really we don't have to put a number on it, but per se. But uh, what was uh, or something that you, you you thought of that was that caught your eye this week? Number six. Well, the the big thing I saw kind of last week was there was a lot of excitement and fallout from Google I/O. Okay. Um, so on the one hand, they were I was really happy to see that Google I/O had web content again. Like okay. the last two years, they had like one talk, and I'm like, wait, guys, Google does a lot on the web. Yeah. Um, this year, I don't know, depending on how you count, it looked like eight to 12 talks. Um, and a lot of that conversation was about progressive web apps. And somehow over the course of those conversations, uh, we managed to get controversy both about progressive web apps uh, in Google's definition, not showing URLs, uh, which sort of made Jeremy Keith fire off a few points. <laughs> And there was also a use the platform thing, suggesting that people maybe shouldn't use JavaScript to reinvent all the things that are already there in other forms. And that triggered a uh, angry response from the uh, framework creation uh, community. Well, like, um, so, so basically just using what the browser has and not reinventing yeah. it? Like, yeah, like I, mean, I sometimes talk about the HCJ stack instead of the MVC stack, and that's HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Um, so okay. yeah, something I want to try, I think you could build a progressive web apps with progressive web app with no JavaScript, um, just links and CSS styling. And I want to see if I can actually make that happen. Um, cause it's just a manifest file really that defines the whole thing. Okay. Um, maybe technically the manifest, I don't think it is JavaScript. I don't know. I'll have to go look at it. Um, and then the other piece was that. Google itself is not really united. So they were also announcing like instant apps for Google uh, regular traditional native Android development. So they're pushing apps in lots of different forms. Um, and so the great thing was that this triggered all kinds of conversation. The complicated thing was that it triggered three or four overlapping but really different but really complicated conversations all at the same time. So I spent a lot of time on Twitter trying to figure out which thread people were applying to. <laughs> so like, so by you say like overlapping apps, like had they different apps for, and how they built it, or the different apps for different. Well, so they're doing they solve the same problem. Yeah, they're solving the same problem different ways. So the great thing about progressive web apps in an Android context is you can install them to your home screen easily, but the instant apps thing also lets you do like a quick. Uh, a quick install just with Android native stuff instead. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think there's actually any problem with having these two things doing the same stuff, but some people were like, why isn't Google giving us the one true way? <laughs> and so that gets kind of complicated. Okay. So Well, that makes me feel better that they don't have a one true way, right? So That actually makes me feel much better about them. Mm -hmm. um, I've grown suspicious of companies that have one true way. So, um, yeah, so that was good. Um, there was also a great moment where Alex Russell, I guess, was on vacation, popped in out of vacation, and saw that Microsoft had started implementing service workers. Okay. Oh, wow. And he was like, I should take more vacations. This works well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so things are moving in a lot of different ways there. Um, I think all for the good. I can find service workers, just in case people were listening. Yeah, so service workers, well, Back in the dark ages of five years ago, uh, there was this thing called App Cache, which would let you say like how to store your website or web app locally to a device, so that people weren't always having to have network access to like read it, see it, do stuff. Um, unfortunately, App Cache turned out to have a lot of really bizarre bugs in it, um, or at least maybe they weren't bugs according to the specification, but it just proved really difficult to work with for anything complicated. So service workers take a step back from that. They're actually kind of tackling finer grained problems, maybe in some ways give you too much control. Um, their JavaScript though, you can specify things in ways that are familiar to JavaScript programmers. Um, and again, the idea is to let your uh, apps work under a variety of circumstances. Uh, it might be totally offline. Um, it might just be that your network is having a crappy day. Um, once you've got the stuff local, that's fine. You can update the cache so you're not like stuck at version 1.0 forever. Um, 
it does require some things like your um, you can't just use HTTP. It has to be HTTPS connections. Um, I guess that makes sense. You don't really want people caching malware. Um, so, yeah, I, I think in general, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've heard similar stories, but one of the things that I'm encountering, and I don't have real data for this, I just have a growing number of anecdotes, is that the app happiness of the last five or six years is halting. Okay. Uh, for a couple of different reasons. One is that there are a few big winners in the app stores, but most of the time when you build an app, you really don't make that much money. Right. Um, there are so many things there. Everybody got in on it. Mm-hmm. It might have been great at the beginning, and it probably still is great for people who have hugely well-known brands. Right. But um, why would I download Joe's slide rule application? I don't know. It's really good slide rule, man. I don't know. So why would I run a slide rule on a phone? We'll leave that <laughs> to the, yeah. um, so the other thing that's happening, and this story I've heard a little bit more from the content distribution. I mean, it used to be that like every website I would open up on Android would ask me to install their app. Mm-hmm. And I got really tired of it. Um, and I actually uninstalled some apps as a result. Um, I don't use Twitter as an app on my Android phone because it's just annoying. Yeah. So... Um, but what I'm hearing is that there are companies that were all excited about apps to distribute content, and they've realized that what they really did was create three times as much work for themselves because right. now they have the web version, the Android version, the iOS version, right. plus who knows, some version for the boss's old phone. Right. Um, even with wrappers, that's not much fun. So if this progressive web apps thing really takes off, even if it doesn't, it just it seems like a lot of that stuff is going back to just, hey, we can do this web thing. It costs a third as much, maybe less. <laughs> we hey, don't remember really this care. Thing? Yeah, I remember this thing, yeah. Yeah, this web thing. It's actually yeah. kind of resilient and it, it doesn't crash in unpredictable ways and it doesn't yeah. And you don't have to update yeah. it as much as you uh and I don't have to hope Apple it. approves it every time and oh, like, yeah. That's kind of sucked the most is just that you you work so hard on it and if you don't have a good relationship with Apple, like IE tons of money or whatever, like uh, you can't get your update out there as fast fast enough. So Right. Right. But, or uh, it's rejected for weird reasons and then you send the same thing in again and it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so good. yeah, I just I feel like a step it's it's not that native apps are going away. No. There are a lot of things that like there's a twenty percent of things that you know, I still think are best done native. I don't really want Photoshop implemented in JavaScript. Um, right. People are doing pieces of it, but I don't want the whole application in JavaScript, thanks. <laughs> um, there are you know, some kinds of games that really rely on fine-grained control and massive frame rates. And, and virtual reality is, I think, the other big thing. The web-based virtual reality can be awesome, but it's not the same thing as the Oculus work or a lot of the other native work. Okay, is, is virtual reality a thing? Let's talk. About, let's talk about virtual reality. Oh, sure. As a thing, like what? Okay, I'm just laying it on there. I was like, I, I'm not sure. Did we talk about virtual reality last time? I feel like we did. I don't. I don't know if we did. I mean, I, I might have either. talked about the cardboard device that I got. I don't. I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, I'm jealous that you have one. I don't have one yet, but uh, I just want one just to try it out. But uh, like virtual reality for me has been, I don't just in my short time frame on this mm-hmm. earth, it's just like. It's been this thing that people want to have and have happen. You know, there was Vermal. I think we talked about Vermal right. last time. Uh, you know, I built a Vermal sculptor gardens. You know, like 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 built three D right. objects, put them in space, and people who had the equipment and the computer and the vision could fly around the sculpture garden, whatever. Right. That was, that was great, except that it's artwork that no one can see really. So whatever, what have you? And um, I guess artwork. You know, what's we've seen, I guess, by the artist. I don't know, weird. But um, so I just feel like in that, so I just feel like the equipment is is always in the way. And my view of virtual reality now is that, uh, you know, Samsung is very much behind it, um, very much uh, trying to get it out there. I think because they're, they're always trying to find a way. I think they're just, they're just trying to find a way to win on hardware a lot mm-hmm. and i just feel like for me virtual reality is not going to be won by hardware it's gonna be won by software 
And by virtual reality, I really want the little Star Wars, uh, you know, when, when they always talk on the phone, it's always right. holograms. And I want, I don't want virtual reality. I want holograms. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and so that's I, what I want. I want little holograms, you know, people right. talking to me or like I have little scenes. Well, speaking uh, of someone who gets easily motion sick, the holograms are a lot easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a lot of what's happened to bring the conversation back in the last year or two yeah. is that basically the hardware, and I don't even mean so much the monitors, the, the stuff that's close to your eyes part, but the tracking parts have gotten a lot better. Okay. So they've managed to make a lot more natural feeling experience. Okay. And I think that's kind of taken it back out of the, this is so weird, it's never going to uh-huh. happen. Uh-oh. So this is more like smooth. Putting the iPhone to your face, is that more smoother? Well, that's what cardboard does. Okay. But cardboard doesn't uses the tracking stuff in the phone, so okay. That's got its limitations, and that's when I get really motion sick. Um, so, the, so the, the the big goggles. The big goggles, yeah. So they're, they're, they don't have that motion sickness that you you. I haven't quite dared yet, and I haven't okay. been in a place where they really had the good goggles. Okay. Um, I've used the mediocre goggles, and that was okay. Okay. When was that? Cardboard is really hard on me. When, when was the last time you used the mediocre goggles? Mm, probably last July. Last July. Okay. So, they, uh, McDonald's was at uh, South by Southwest, and I went. I threw myself upon McDonald's, which isn't a terribly hard thing for me to do. But uh, and I went to, and they had a VR exhibit. Right. And. Um, uh, and it was just like, you know, I guess it was just a simple paint, a Happy Meal. <laughs> it's like, I say it's simple. It's a simple, uh, you know. I think for McDonald's. And, and virtual reality. Really you know what I'm saying? It's a simple thing. Yeah. And so. It's it was, it, more. The smell of the French fries. I mean, like that just seems much more powerful than drawing. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, I, I actually had fun doing it. I mean, because it was uh, mm-hmm. virtual reality paint. Right. A Happy Meal box with different types of brush strokes and. And um and but the thing I fell fell in love with was the um kind of the uh the connect nature of just throwing a blob of paint against the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh and just like just sh- oh, it was just so much fun just to do that. And uh so that was fun. However, at the end of the day, I'm like, oh well, that's cool. But now what? And so they well, at, the end, I- at the end of it I got a little postcard with my artwork on it, but that was that was right. it. Well, the other thing that people are talking about again, and they've been talking about this on and off for 30 years, mm. um, is the augmented reality stuff, where it's yeah. not just virtual reality, but it's stuff projected onto the world or onto your view of the world. Um, somebody did a vid- video like this week. I can't remember what it was called. It was like hyperspeed or something. Um, I'll try and track it down and send you the link. Yeah. Um, and it was about somebody like using VR goggles to try and do sort of like an Uber delivery job. And of course the goggles don't work and all of these things go crazy and you can, so, but you see the difference between like the augmented world and the, the real world when the thing goes down. Right. Um, and it's kind of weird cause you're like immersed even in this little video in this highly augmented world and it just starts seeming normal, a little weird, but you know, it starts seeming normal and then you suddenly take off the augmentations. Maybe they flatten the colors a bit. I'm not sure. Um, it really reminded me of the, I like technology when I'm not completely dependent on it. Um, yeah. You want progressive technology. Yes. What? Pro- progressive technology is that what you want? Yeah. Yes. I want progressive augmented reality <laughs> where it still works. Even if it's broken. No. Okay. Um, well, well, one of the things I love about the Apple Watch is that one, well, we, the, the bad part is that you have to, have to use Apple Maps is that uh, if you use Apple Maps and you're using it with your smartphone or your iPhone, and you're walking or you're driving, your watch will actually buzz if it's a left or right hand turn that you could take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll actually tell you, like, you know, like how many buzzes, I forget which one buzzes left or right or whatever. So, but it's always nice because it, it's not like, you know, it, it, it's, you know, you're not expecting it, but it's a nice, like, inter- like passive ambient uh, information that's, that's sent to you. And so right. it's, it's not virtual reality, it's not, uh, but it's augmented. To reality a little bit so it's like hey you need to go turn here and turn right it's a less intrusive augmentation yeah, yeah. i like that. yeah so and that, that that's like um i think O'Reilly has a book is that ambient findability i think that's the word the book yeah that's more about finding stuff on the web and certainly oh, really? that kind of thing 
Um, we do have a learning virtual reality book that covers like web stuff and some native stuff too. Okay. Um, and we're going to be doing a lot more with it. Um, yeah. We had a bit of stuff on it at Fluent. Um, yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's one of those spaces that I've seen go by so many times now that it's hard not to be cynical. <laughs> that's, and, that's, that's the boat I'm in. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I remember having like Jaron Lanier as a customer at Kinko's like 20 years ago and, you know, and I went through Vermal and all of these things, but maybe it is, maybe it is time. I mean, the graphics have certainly gotten better and the sensors have definitely gotten better. So, right. You know, and, you know, like the information age and age. So, you know, you know, software can only get, get better exponentially now, I think. So, I don't know. It depends. But yeah, I think that, that I just haven't seen a killer VR app yet, you know. I that, think it's going to start in gaming for a while. Yeah, it usually does, right? So, that's yeah. usually where it ends up for, there is, for a second. There are some other folks working on it for data, where you can kind of like walk through your data. Um, it feels very William Gibson to me. Uh, like Neuromancer had those like skyscrapers of databases and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, but I can at least imagine ways that would be useful. Um, I guess we'll see. Number five. So our next item of the week, I'm going to put out the Instagram redesigner logo. Is mine. My mind. Got to redesign the logo all the time. <laughs> Just got like, uh, if you haven't seen it by now, you should definitely. Yeah, we'll put in the show notes. But the uh, animated GIF of. Uh, the kid, uh, there's a kid uh, playing with this old computer and just uh, playing with Photoshop to gradients. Have you, have you seen that one yet? No, I haven't. I'm just oh. trying to track it down here because when I visit the Instagram site, it doesn't actually show me a logo, which is really annoying. Oh, well, it's in the, the notes I sent to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing it up. Yeah, just it, it's, it's in that one. It's in the medium post. Uh, so oh, that was yes. just so Okay. It's so great. Yeah. Well, they don't want to be skeuomorphic, you know? Yeah, I just I feel like uh, there's nothing wrong with that. One, two, uh, you know, it's cool to be flag colors, but I feel like it's uh, on one hand it's like really weird design, but two, I, I appreciated the gradients. But I feel like um, I, don't, I think it's a bold move. I'm really happy that they did it. It looks like it's catching on fire. <laughs> I mean, you kind of have a sky blue at the top. It's like something the camera is catching on fire at night from below or something. I don't know. Right. I don't know. It definitely, it's, I mean, like one of the things we do with uh, when designing something with apps and stuff like that, do we, we put the, the logo next to it as competitors and see how it, how it yeah. picks up. And definitely when you see an iPhone in the apps, you know, it definitely looks different than the other apps. Like everything is, you know, you have the Twitter's blue, Facebook's blue, Snapchat's yellow, you know, and you've got, um, but uh, what else we have here? Like Facebook Messenger is blue, so you know it's yeah. Yeah, Yelp is red. So like they have this gradient, which is like purple, red, yellow with this bold white, you know, icon. So yeah, I saw something yesterday on why book covers have all gone yellow lately, and I think clearly uh, this will be the next trend. I mean, everybody's doing yellow, so now we got to do yellow with gradients. Yeah, wasn't that there was like some design trend? Yeah, like, I, I, like as soon as we as soon as printers were able to do gradients, I think it was like Hot like Wired magazine. They were like, as soon as they were able to do gradients, they were like, just everything was a, this weird, bold, eye burn, retina, eye retina burn gradients. Yeah, I have, a, I have a friend who thinks that not only was Wired a practical joke on designers, mm-hmm. it was also a brutal test for their printing process. So <laughs> yes, it was really right. like a, you know, let's see what happened. I have other, I know other people who love Wired, of course. So, you right. know. Right. I love Wired on the, the old, so of the old, yeah, of the, the original issues. I saw them floating around somewhere. But, yeah, uh, I probably let mine go, actually. But Oh, really? Oh, you, sent, you, you put, them in the, put them off the sea and threw an arrow, let them burn? I didn't let them burn. I gave them to uh, the library book sale, but, you know. Right. Yeah, I saw uh, my favorite book is uh, it's called Mind Grenades um, mm-hmm. from the future. So it's, you probably pick it up for a cent on Amazon, um, but it's, it's a hardback, not a hardback, it's just a soft-covered book. And uh, what Wired used to do is, uh, I'm not sure they still do it. I, I still, I still subscribe to it, but mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it in a while. But they used to have a two-page fold, and they would be like kind of like their mission statement, or like their statement for the, that issue. And these right. like designers, and so uh, my grenades is the collection of the first couple of years of, ah, yes. of, of of existence of having that. So you have like artwork by 
or quotes by Brian Eno and a lot yes. of great uh, artists at the time. And so, and at that time means early nineties. So you have uh, or mid nineties. So you have a lot of like people trying to force Photoshop to do crazy things or Amigas or something like that. So a VR or three D modeling stuff like that. So it's a little kind of cheesy, but if you but still, has, I think it holds up pretty well. Now I'm kind of wishing that I still had those old issues because I want to go back and see what they're saying about VR then, but that's all right. Well, it gave my, my grenades, so, you know, big enough. Mm-hmm. But doesn't Wired have, like, their back issues online? Right? Should be able to... I think you can find them, yeah. Number four. Finally getting back to CSS, playing with food. Oh, yeah. I had such a fun time this weekend, this last yeah. weekend. Um, so it's been a while since I've done anything real on the web. Yeah. Um, Jen Robbins and I did an iPhone app like four years ago mm-hmm. um, that I might actually reinvent as a progressive web app. We'll see. That could get exciting. Um, but, you know, I, I go to shows. I see all these great talks on, well, responsive design, on typography, on the new layout possibilities. Um, Jen Robbins' talk in her layout lab, like, really have me going, yes, we're here, finally, something interesting. Um but I hadn't done anything. Um, and so I've been working on a book about woodworking for complete beginners. It's a, basically a book about hand tools. And I wound up writing it because basically all the books on doing stuff with hand tools and woodworking assume you kind of grew up like using these things or that you already have all of the tools. So like there's a great book I know where the first project requires you to own about $2,000 worth of equipment. It's not that hard a project, but $2,000 worth of stuff. So I'm trying to write this, you know, kind of different thing. I decided around the beginning of the year that writing it as a book was ridiculous. I should really think of it as a website. This is the 21st century after all. Um, But I also wanted, you know, I wanted actually like a 19th century look. Um, So, you know, I went hunting for typefaces. I found Bell, uh, which is a monotype typeface with roots going back to early 1800s uh, and I actually bought a font which I have not done in a long long time um, I still have 249,800 impressions left to go so it's okay um, I started playing with fluid typography uh, there was a great article in smashing that was enough to get me started um, actually it did something brilliant because it didn't solve all of my problems but it solved enough of them that I was willing to pick up the the typing and make something happen and then start cursing and still be willing to fix it. So that was good. Um, So yeah, the typography has been fun. Um, CSS has grown up a lot and uh, it was fun getting compliments for things that I had nothing to do with. Um, Fonts include ligatures. Browsers are now smarter than they used to be. Ligatures happen. You don't have to do all that work. I like that. Um, The part that I'm really looking forward to though is probably more the layout side. Um, it's, it's still basically a book layout, except that I want to do some wacky things with, uh, with pictures and I want to do things where I'm preserving a sane HTML source order so that if you load it without style sheets, you don't curse a lot, but you know, maybe if you load it in the full on awesome version and you're like on a big monitor, like I'm on now with lots of horizontal space, it might be that the text is on the left and the images are on the right and that the images move as you go through the text. Um, I think I can actually do most of that just with CSS. I'll, you know, I'll do JavaScript when I get to it, if I have to, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's just, I spent too much time in this like meta world where I can tell you all about what CSS is capable of, but can't show you any of it. Right. And so it's been great, like coming back to reality. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so you started with this fashion magazine article for fluid typography. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a couple weeks old. I don't think anything in it is actually new. It was just the way that they put it all together made me happy. Okay. Do you know who wrote it? That's I can find it for you. Okay. okay. We'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Because uh, we interviewed um, yeah, Zellu. Yeah, Zellu. Responsive Topography in March. And so mm-hmm. uh, he's actually been talking about uh, Responsive Topography, and I would. Uh, Price, just check out his website. His website's uh, Zell, W-K, Z-E-L-L, W-K.com. 
And so he's got a lot, check out his blog and he's been talking about uh, topography, responsive topography for like, for pretty much most of this month, for well, most of this year. And cool. he's actually got like a SAS kind of library called Typey. Yeah, that's the other thing is I just want to stay in CSS. I'm a crazy yeah. little jerk. Well, even then, like, he's got some great uh, breakdowns for topography. Uh, so even if you don't want to do um, do that, so if you want to do viewport-based topography, he breaks down REMs versus EMs. Yeah. And vertical rhythm, some of that. Too. So you can just you know, borrow the output and other things. Yeah, the thing that actually I realized a couple of years ago is that line widths make a huge difference to me. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'm like overly sensitive, but I look at some of the stuff that I did like 10 years ago and I go, what was I thinking? So what, what, what's your line length or is it width or length? Is it? Well, I guess line length, yeah. I mean, it's the width on the page, but I think it's called line length. Yeah. Um, it turns yeah. out that I'm really happy when things are actually on the slightly shorter, like 60 characters side okay. of things. Um, a lot of what I did 10 years ago feels more like 100. Yeah. Okay. Supposedly the comfort zone is forty-five to eighty. Right. Because um, yeah, it's uh, eighty-five is what designers say, but eighty characters is what the, I think uh, accessibility people suggest. Yeah, and I'm actually finding I like slightly shorter than that. So, okay. um, yeah, I know it creates all kinds of hyphenation headaches, and I think that's why the eighty-five is actually preferred by designers because hyphenation mm-hmm. is a pain. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually uh, I found a WordPress plugin for. Actually, for, for typography, it was really great. I have to go look it up. But um, I tried, and I just said, hey, turn on hyphenation. And if the browser supports it, we'll, we'll add it. And I just can't stand hyphenation in a web page. It's not done very well either. Yeah, I just... So, I, have, I have a lot of things to decide. I mean, like, I, for a print version, I would, you know, I'd want it justified both sides. I'd want hyphenation. But for the online version, uh, no, oh, not so much. Yeah, that's... And in fact, even with hyphenation in the newspaper world they would they try to do it infre- infrequently whereas if you turn it on in the browser it goes like, crazy it just goes like yeah we'll put one here we'll put one there there's there's no like you know editorial control which is something to say i guess i don't know right well my favorite thing on that is i was talking to a guy who did east asian stuff mm-hmm. and he was talking about how there really isn't an algorithm for uh line breaking in thai it has to do with the aesthetics of the line and they're not really things that you can express as an algorithm <laughs> I guess they're doing it anyway, but like people are like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Oh man. So, but that language looks much prettier than ours. So number three. Stick of topography, how topography can save your life. Yes. And, and so this is a article on ProPublica that we um, that we came across. This is one of the E4Hs. It's so we sent out links of, of interest from our Twitter account throughout the week. And so this is one that was very popular uh, with our followers. And so it's, and it actually, from you. Yes. Really. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was, um, basically it talks about, uh, first, like lots of examples, but the first one was how the national, um, let's see, was it? I was to say weather service has, has always up till recently uh, broadcast their weather warnings in all caps, and that was due to the limitations of technology at the time. Like the like 1970s, early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and it kind of makes sense in a way, because like all caps means all important, I'm really screaming at you, whatever. But now, like, now we can actually, we have better technology, we can, uh, you know, send lowercase messages, uh, we like to talk, uh, text and stuff like that, and, uh, and so now, like, so weather warnings now will have, you know, uppercase characters for the start of the sentence, as usual, as, uh, whatnot and then uh, lowercase letters throughout unless it's a uh, you know a city or something like that so it's it's pretty pretty nice so that's yeah. so that's one way where that uh, you know typography is is helping out and also talks about uh how the warnings and cigarette bo- boxes are not very helpful because uh it seems like the cigarette you, know, you can't really pinpoint but i feel like the the, the warnings and cigarette packages are all uppercase all underlined with a big black box around it with very little space, so it's very easy to like glance over it and look at the nice packaging that cigarette boxes have, if you will. And so, uh, so it's not very. So that's one way where telegraphy is really hurtful in a way. So, so if they if they actually change their message to be a little bit more, I think I they were trying to be shocking and bold, and the yeah. reality was just noise. 
Yeah, well, hey, that's that's the benefit of the doubt. I think I would give them. So, so, but, uh, and then he talked about the experiment with uh, changing the typeface for um, for U.S. interstate um, signs and and how that didn't really play out very well. I guess but they did some testing, and then they said like, hey, there was ample evidence that like the new typeface. Uh, let's see what's it called. I think it was called inter- interstate. Uh, so interstate roads had never been called used a typeface called Highway Gothic since the 1950s. And there has been kind of a there was a test to see if we can actually with a new typeface called Clearview that would compete with it and see if it was better. So there, some people did do a test to see if it if it did work, and there was about like point one percent, no point one second notice that people can read discern signs with Clearview more than the old typeface of Highway Gothic. But then um, so there was this kind of mandate sort of sorts for people to replace signs with this new typeface, and all of a sudden the you know, they just stopped and said, like, oh, there's new evidence, there's new testing that says that that's not really true. And, and, um, I don't think they uh, broke anything. Like, I, I'll, I actually prefer the clear face by a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's mostly because, like, if I'm looking at something just at a glance, hmm. I, it like registers easier. Yeah. Um, the other case, which I don't think they talked about in that article hmm. on street signs, I mean, they talked about uppercase, lowercase, but like street signs went from being all uppercase to uh, mixed case. Hmm. And I do find the mixed case a lot easier to read. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't know. People argue about it. A lot of people like all uppercase because they're used to it. But maybe more on street signs where it's short than in National Weather Service warnings where it's too much. But. Yeah. Yeah, I just know. Well, like the thing like, I like about the weather service messages being all caps is that you know that that's that's, that's a weather service warning, and that uh, th- that was in the message. Like, oh, it's a big warning. But uh, I think people who are scraping the messages now feel better because now they now they don't have to do any additional programming work to uh, change the case, if you will. Yeah, the other thing it reminds me of is like the old like you'd see in a movie the news feeds coming in on those teletype machines. And it was always that like all cap kind of awesome. <laughs> we are really important telex people. Exactly. So yeah. The, the stock t- ticker thing too. Like, yeah. I guess the seventies yeah. are over, but I don't know. <laughs> Some newsflash. Oh man. Um, another thing that was popular with the E4H is uh, SVG flags as a resource. So there's actually resource. Someone made all the flags of, like all the nations that there are. So if you think of it, um, it's called flag hyphen icon hyphen CSS. I think li- dot ilp dot is. Yeah, those and, are uh, I want someone to do the same for the U.S. state flags because I want a decent SVG of New York and I haven't been able to find one. But oh, someday. That'd be nice. Texas, yeah. I think, would be easier. Texas would be pretty sweet. That'd be pretty pretty straightforward. I probably just do one anyway. Get it out there. But yeah, but so if you need a. Uh, like for a country, there's they're totally out there. So uh, it's a project on GitHub as well. So you can be uh, you know follow it, see if there's any changes to it. So, but it's a collection of all country flags and SVG plus the CSS you need to, to insert it. So that was actually pretty popular as well this year. And it just I mean, it just shows you the popularity of SVGs. Just you know, this again going to like earlier talking about how much how better browsers are browsers are now that support SVGs natively and well. And uh, it's been a long, slow, slow burn. And I'm, yeah, but now it's just enough, you know, you know, enough momentum has, has happened now. It's just, you know, so many, I uh, mean, like E4H had this SVG summit right? in January, which is great. You know, SVG was big in CSS DevConf last year. And like, uh, the, I don't know how many books O'Reilly's doing about SVG, you know. Yeah, we're doing a bunch. Largely <laughs> the people who spoke at CSS DevConf, actually. But yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, so it's gonna be great. Okay, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to, um, you know, it, it kind of falls back to the icon for, for Instagram, where like, you know, it's I love the gradients because I feel like, I just can't stand a flat design. I mean, we're at the, I, I don't want the whole like 3D effect of skeuomorphism, but uh, there's gonna be some middle ground where we just we have some 3D coming back into it. So, yeah, and, and I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of material design either because I feel like it's too cold manipulating, like, I feel like, too sterile. Like somehow we fell into a weird period of making things feel dead and flat. Yeah. And calling it, I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cranky, like, I like serif fonts, you know, I'm one of those people. Um, but it just seems like, I don't know, maybe Apple's minimalist style infected 
everything else or something. It's just, it's weird. Yeah, that's, that's always what I fear about whenever there's a new iOS design update. Like, that's because you're going to see your web pages designed within like two, three months. So, yeah. well, it has influenced. I mean, it's not even just the like electronic design. Like, I stayed at um, a Yotel. Yeah. And I think the theme was purple iPads. Uh, it was kind of this pinkish purple light everywhere, and everything had rounded corners. And I just, um, yeah, I, I need something more than rounded corners to go with my minimalism. What is a hotel? It's a hotel where the rooms kind of feel like cruise ship cabins. So, so for instance, so some of the things, the, the bathroom, like the shower was just part of the bathroom. There really wasn't like a separate shower. Um, the bed had a switch so that you could kind of slide it back and up to turn into a couch. Um, I think like my hotel room was maybe 12 by 10 and everything was just kind of stuck into this really tight format. Um, it was a little weird. It was, it's on 42nd street at 10th. And if you told me like when I lived in New York that I'd be sitting at 42nd and 10th, watching the cars go in and out of the Lincoln tunnel. Um, I'd have thought my future was really bleak, and not just like minimalist and purple. Okay. So, um, yeah. And they also have like a robot that grabs your luggage or something. I don't know if that's still there, but that was oh my God. kind of funky. You Snapchatted that, right? I'm sorry, what? You Snapchatted that, right? The robot? No, I didn't. It was actually, I know Snapchat must have existed when I was there, but okay. I don't really remember it being a big thing. They do have free coffee and hot chocolate, however. So, oh our values. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, design treatment's gonna be one thing, but yeah, I feel like it's just—it's not gonna be. I, I, I have, I have. Uh, what I'm looking forward to most, I think, in terms of design, is is um, uh, how Apple refines the uh, design style that they have now. And you know, when they first came out with it, it was a big rush job, and now I feel like they've slowly been walking it back and giving some time to like think about <laughs> yeah. the mistakes that they made, but the. <laughs> How they could improve upon it, I, w- I would rather su- suggest saying. But, well, I think Apple got used to being able to do anything they wanted. Mm-hmm. And everybody would say, whoa, it's from Apple. It must be awesome. Right. But maybe the 15 years of iTunes awfulness is catching up with them or oh. something. People are a little more cautious about cheering it on. So, Oh, I, we, we did a whole show. Like We should probably do a whole show about uh, <laughs> the yeah. iTunes, uh, Apple Match, and Apple Music, Apple Music and how... Yeah. That was just, expo, just for extra pain. Uh, it was just, I don't know, like, they launched Apple Music and iTunes, and then they took away uh, home sharing abilities. And so I was just like, for, for music, I was just like, what are you? And, and they, they had to update iTunes just because it's, it got so, so it, I couldn't use it anymore. So it was just, uh, um, and then um, I talked to a podcaster, Chris Hens. A producer on the show uh, this week about uh, Apple having a meeting with with podcasts podcasters uh, and seeing if they were actually going to do anything or whatever. Because I mean, you need, if you have a podcast and you be on Apple iTunes, and then still the technology still hasn't um, changed that much. No. So it's it's been crazy. So I don't know. Yeah, I feel like the podcast piece is less broken. Um, I was thinking too about the way that like the whole way that I listened to music was shaped by like the classic iPod and iTunes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a good thing that I'm kind of album oriented anyway. And that just makes life less torturous. But um, yeah, what was I, it's, it's kind of weird how these things get into your bloodstream. Yeah. I, I wish I wasn't an album person, but uh, I grew up with a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving man. Apple, so I'm I'm more comfortable talking about these things. But okay. there's still an iPod attached to my stereo, and it's the old one. So okay, yeah, and I, I I well, it's sort of like albums are great, but I felt like there's a there's an artist. Uh, I'm going to say uh, right, Smash Mouth. It was this is the advent of iPod. I just, Smash Mouth was a band. Mm-hmm. There's a there's no for summer music summer band. I saw them live, man. Dude, so did I. Do it rocked. No, they they sucked. But uh, they uh, they had an album. I think it was like they had a hit song, but they wouldn't release that song as a single, right? Because you had to buy the whole album, and the whole album is not as good as the hit single, right? So uh, only when iTunes came along were you able to come along and buy the song individually, and um, for like ninety nine cents, whatever, whatever. Right. And I felt like, oh, sweet, we liberated music, right? We just 
but then we, I don't know. So, but we've lost the album concept. Man. Yeah. But most of my stuff I still buy as albums. So mm-hmm. it's just the, the iTunes interface. I mean, I can build playlists. I can do all of these things, but yeah. ooh, why that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I do like making smart lists though, out of iTunes. Yeah. Smart lists work. That's yeah. maybe the one place they were listening. Yeah. And then word out was actually, um, I think it was at Adobe max last year. He was talking about, or like the year before he was talking about how, you know, he just finished up his like I think eight album deal or whatever, mm-hmm. and how he's not going to do another album deal because he's with iTunes and Spotify. He's more of a plus with his background, he's more of a uh, single hit type of artist, and so he can actually come up with a single and have that be a big thing, right? And people will buy that rather than having to create construct a tour ten to twelve songs, you know, every right half of which will be out of date in terms of the original song by the time they get released. And right. yeah, it's just hard. Number two. Uh, WordPress is 13 years old. So it's ancient uh, and it's holy. I can't believe, you know, I just can't believe how strong of a CMS. It's not a CMS, it's a blogging tool, right? So it's a, right. it's a blogging tool turns CMS turns shopping tool. Turned everything. Turned everything. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, I'll admit I still have sites that say they're running movable type. <laughs> they're, they're not because the movable type install broke and they're just static now. But that's yeah. okay. All right. Um, actually, that's one thing I liked about movable type was that it created static sites, and so yeah. if it died, it was okay. WordPress sometimes, sometimes not. Um, but yeah. WordPress is, I, I think. I think blogging tools was a case where it was a lot smarter to be kind of in that second generation than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, WordPress just did such a better job of giving people what they wanted. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it's kind of infinite extension to cover every use case. Has been such a good idea. Um, every time somebody asks me to help them on their WordPress project, I'm cautious because I don't know what I'll find. Yeah. Um, with movable type, at least I knew it was always going to be terrible. It was fine. Um, but, yeah, so with WordPress, I mean, just, it seems like the it's a case where extensions are awesome until they're not. And then, right. Yeah, and getting things out of it and into something else is not a joy. But I still wish – there are two sites that I work on that moved away from WordPress, and I wish they had just stayed with WordPress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, why do you miss, miss it then? Like, what are the things you miss? Um, they both went to custom designs, and the custom designs are really, really brittle. And WordPress, I don't know. It's it's Because WordPress is trying to appeal to so many people, um, the interfaces just feel more flexible, more comfortable. Um, maybe it's that the new custom things were mostly built by programmers, um, they both had designers do all kinds of great work on the exterior side of it, so everything looks polished and beautiful. Um, but the inside, there's a lot of duct tape and chewing gum and things like that. I mean, there are people who will tell me that WordPress is entirely bailing wire and chewing gum and duct tape, but um, I don't tend to find it that way in practice. So 13, lucky 13. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've recently just started digging into WordPress a lot more than I have in the past, and it's... You know, it's free until you want to do something. <laughs> and, right. and I think it's a little kind of pricey. But uh, and I'm always I'm always always impressed with the number of plugins that are out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I just found a plugin for Medium, right? So you write a blog post and it'll automatically automatically yeah. publish the Medium, which is just like solves one problem there that I have. And so, which is great. It's then uh, it, it falls back into Jeremy Keith's, uh, you know. And my like major like I agree with him on that was just uh, and also Sean from um, formerly of uh, South by Southwest Interactive, um, so of uh, of just um, of owning your own stuff and publishing yeah. it to, to different um, uh, materials. So that's what, really what I'm hoping to get with my blog. But also to do that, that's not cheap. Um, either you code it yourself or you get plugins to do it too. So, but uh, either way, you need time invested to get it set up. So. But yeah, it's just amazing just doing that little research of how much WordPress is. And so I just remember talking to my, my um, a publisher, like, like, I don't know, was it 12, 14 years ago? And said, like, hey, I want to do a book on, on WordPress. 
And they said, no. <laughs> right. And I feel like if they said yes, I would have been more of a master of WordPress than I know. So. Yeah, O'Reilly's done a little publishing on WordPress. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there actually are some pretty good books on it. Um, there's lots of videos on it. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think the content management world somehow needs more love. Mm-hmm. Um, like how so? Well, so a couple of things. One, like I took a I took a training a workshop at the Create Upstate conference a couple of weeks ago. Um, Natalie, I think Semelchuk, she's in your neighborhood now. She's moved to Austin. Um, she was talking about like the design process for building a CMS for a system. And I think that's actually where a lot of these things fall down. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the same stories I was just telling you about with you know actually vanilla WordPress would have been nicer than where we ended up in some ways. I think there are a lot of things that are really easy to get started with, but really hard to do right in this space. And the other hard part is that a lot of people don't don't notice the difference. Um, your users will notice and curse every time they have to do something three different ways to get something done. Um, but but somehow it seems like we build these things and once they're done, they're just kind of cooked and they should sit there and they shouldn't, I don't know. It's like, we did this thing, it's done. Right. Um, so I feel like the whole CMS world, as awesome as it is, just needs more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think back to like my XML days and some of those document systems were incredibly like obsessed with controlling the structure of everything you ever did. Right. Um, and the good thing about most of these content management systems we're talking about is that like you can still do what you want with HTML in them most of the time. There's still some corner you can escape. It's better than that XML world was. Um, but it's still not very flexible. And so like this crazy woodworking thing I'm doing the fluid typography with and the layout and all, um, what I'm doing there is like letting myself create whatever structure I want. And then, yes, I'm using XSLT because I'm evil. Um, And then just using that to transform it to whatever HTML I want it to look like. So that's like this totally flexible, totally iterative process that only works because I'm managing both ends of the system. the stuff that Natalie was showing was, uh, you know, kind of a halfway. It was all like GUI interface and not like you must write a transformation because that would suck. Um, but you had enough flexibility in the CMS to create different structures. And that was really cool and really different. But I haven't had the fortune of experiencing that directly. So sometime. <laughs> yeah, like if you're able to control both, uh, you know, the manner both the system and the, and the content, and yeah, you're good to go. Yeah, and it makes me love HTML more because I can do pretty much anything I want with it as an output format. So it's good. Yeah, HTML is pretty awesome. I don't know. Yeah, I just I just want to get the people to fall in love with HTML again and 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 CSS. So not and not recreate both those things in JavaScript. Be great. I feel like CSS actually is getting attention these days. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, partly it's just that there's so much more happening with it. Um, I think some of it is that even diehard programmers have realized that CSS can just be a lot faster, and they like that. Um, the HTML side, like the markup language isn't changing much. Web components is kind of swirling around. Maybe it'll be done. Maybe it won't be. Who knows? Um, so it's a, it's a more difficult situation. Number one. Let's get to the next one, the last one. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. Because uh, he used to be uh, Create Upstate, which is Dan Rose's yeah. thing. He used to speak at Artifact, which is what we put on. And so he's a great guy. So is he in charge of it? or He's one of three people. Okay. Um, and I found the show mostly because of Dan. I was following him, and suddenly there was this Upstate thing. And I was like, wait, I live in Upstate. I'm actually even like wearing the shirt today. But um, <laughs> totally unintentional. But that's okay. Um it's, you know, for me, like, there just haven't been local conferences. Like, Ithaca has meetups, but uh, conferences don't come here. They come to New York, or actually Philadelphia is a little closer to me. Um, I went to Cleveland for Rust Belt Refresh a couple years ago. That was fantastic. Um, but Create Upstate is interesting because it, 
I don't know. You've done stuff with AIGA. I don't get to go to a whole lot of stuff that's really designers. Mm-hmm. So the workshop day was a lot more web-centered, and the presentations day was a lot more design in whatever form. Um, I loved – so a couple of things they did. I spend my days in digital media, but I'm still really happy to, like, encounter letterpress. I think because I work in digital media, that, like, drives me to, like, do woodworking and, like, take paper seriously because I just don't get enough of that stuff. Right. Um, To understand. And they did a really nice job of having, like, vendors and sponsors in the room. Um, Like, my favorite one there is Mohawk Paper, um, who are just always there. They are an upstate company. They can tell you more about paper. Well, just be prepared for a couple of days of discussion. That's great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, they have sample books that remind me of the ones I used to make at Kinko's too, but with better paper. So, um, so that was cool. Um, the talks did a really nice job of explaining to me sort of what happened to us in digital media. Um, Cause a few of them were almost kind of confessional it was like, I became famous and did all this great work, and um, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. So, um, yeah, that is how we got all of those iPhone apps written in Objective-C in three weeks by people who didn't know Objective-C. Um, that is how, like, Flash took over the universe for a while, and rolling it back was hard. Um, it was it was an amazing show that it kind of stepped back from any particular medium, I'm so used to going to shows where like the web is the center of things or mm-hmm. uh, like our solid show for O'Reilly hardware was really the center. Uh, our design show, like it was UX across multiple media, but they were really kind of trying to stay in this nice fuzzy UX continuity zone. And this kind of broke all of those patterns. Um, I mean, I'm, I know that I'm never going to personally be doing typography with coffee grounds. I can leave that for other people. <laughs> but so I gracious. Start, yeah. And then I think about my own experiments with ASCII art, and I'm like, hmm, there's something here. Um, the thing I think you and I talked about uh, online with the the record player and the wedding invitation. Um, you know, that's like mixing media in a way that had never ever occurred to me before. And uh, I just I feel like everybody needs to get a dose of this once in a while, whatever field you work in. Uh, just like step outside. And, uh, you know, basically I went because it was a regional show that I could drive to. Um, and I got way more than like, Hey, that was convenient. I got, yeah, yeah. this is good. So yeah, Dan is doing great things. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not sure this is part of ANGA, but yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Mohawk papers is really awesome. They used to, used to sponsor a lot of things for, for AIGA uh, events when I was on the board of, Mm-hmm. multiple AIGA chapters. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, like, like, I'm not sure we talked about it before, but uh, we did uh, toss around on Facebook was the, uh, you mentioned it on Facebook, is the uh, wedding invitation that was printed on a paper. And, and there, yes. And, and there, a song was recorded on, I'm not sure it's a plastic vinyl record. It's those bad demo discs that used to come in magazines. Yeah, so, and then they just took a needle and paper and no speaker right it was just it was just paper the paper itself was the amplifier yeah and so and then you just spin the record at the right speed you know it's like trial and error like you were a kid you know you know right like like, like you like you do this for a living right you just spin the like you know professionally like oh it needs to be like this speed uh and then you, you heard the song and the song is gonna sound terrible because the medium right. know, it's, it's terrible but you don't care because it's it's uh, joyful, right? It's uh, right. And so we shared. I shared it with Ari, who's, you know, we're, Ari and I both have print backgrounds, and so we're just like in the office. We're just like, that is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Like, how can we be this cool? Like, I don't know, no idea. But, uh, but yeah, it's so cool. It's it's so nice to to remember and to to get that inspiration of bringing together different mediums and different skill sets to create something wonderful and new. And so. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that's definitely like like that's a cool conference to go to. From uh, yeah, a little less extreme, I, mean, like, I think you saw Jen Simmons talk about um, Vogue magazine, and like after all of these years of telling people to stop using print metaphors, it's actually time for us to go back to those magazines and like steal from them the ideas. 
Uh, I felt a little offended because I never told people to stop doing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I never told anyone to stop doing that. So right. I just wanted to. I spent my I spent my early career explaining to print designers that the web was not Quark Express. <laughs> so that that I was totally with her on that, but it may just be a matter of timing and audience. So yeah, I might have, but like I started up with print design and I went with uh, David Siegel, who was already into print. Yes, that's right. So that's right. I never I never told anyone to stop. Right. Being print. It's okay. So, uh, but I totally I totally understand her point of view. I just like felt like hey, you know, like, what's up? Right. You know. Right. But uh, but I, I don't think you were. I don't think you were giving people Vogue magazine and telling them to do that though. <laughs> yeah. I was not getting, like I can tell you right now. I was not getting people Vogue magazine. That's that's for sure. <laughs> uh, like other, there's plenty of other great magazines out there. Um, I'd say Vogue is not great, but uh, but yeah. So there's there's plenty of inspiration from magazines. So and, and that's also like uh, I remember Tontek would, uh, you know, early two thousands whatever. He would just take whatever print piece was in front of him, like a menu or whatever. He would try to redesign it with CSS. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a great layout. It could be just anything. So, and uh, I think what's really hurting us now is that we have, which which is a plus and a benefit now for web designers, is that we have um, known uh, vocabulary or known of how a web page is supposed to work. Right? We have right. we have navigation menus. We have logos go in the left hand corner, and so that so so there's there's got this um, thing that we there's this trade off is like. Do we give people the metaphors that they know already right. and to help them find and do something like, you know, which is probably what you want to do for merchandise or, or if you're having more of a reading magazine or blog, uh, they, they, you can trade that with uh, more of an experimental, experiential, you know, nature and change things up a little bit more and have more of a visual impact. And then, but still, you still have to fall back and design for multiple devices. And so... Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the things I'm trying to do with research is trying to find out, you know, what does that mean um, for responsible design? So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to figure it out in my own experimental, formerly book project. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, Jay, have you seen Jen's Layout Lab? Yeah, it's awesome, yeah. That's, that's giving me some other crazy ideas. Um, and I feel like there's another one of those I need to find, find again that was more JavaScript-centric but also was dedicated to like, okay, let's break out of the three column thing. Um, so hopefully we can do more of this. Like I'm guessing like over the next year, and especially as we start getting Flexbox and grid, you're going to start seeing some of those things like icebergs kind of starting to break up. Yeah. Um, I don't plan to go back and upgrade all of my three column sites though. <laughs> so. All right. Cool. Awesome. So uh, anything you're looking forward to or you're passionate about coming up? Um, Actually, I'm kind of looking forward to summer. Oh, really? um, it's been kind of weird. Like, so we do this newsletter at O'Reilly, a web newsletter, and I need to have like 10 or 12 items for it every week. And like in the last three weeks or so, I've had a problem of having too many links. Like I feel like the conversation just like really accelerated somehow in the last few weeks. I think it's conference season. That's a lot of it. And people are like bouncing new ideas off of each other. Um, I really want to dive deeper into uh, grid layout and Flexbox in particular. Um, and I need to get something up as a progressive web app and just like test that. Um, I really want to emphasize that progressive word because I'm just like, well, I know Steve Champion, but I just like progressive enhancement more than anything else in web development. So uh, just want to see what I can do with that. Awesome. And where can people find you on the web? My hideous website is simonstl.com, but on Twitter, I'm just simonstl. The website's going to get a major update, too, but, you know, it still looks like 2006 because that's the last time I updated it for real. 2006 in the house. Yeah. Sorry for everyone for saying that. Sorry about that. Okay. So. <laughs> cool. What are you looking forward to? Uh, well, it's Memorial Day. We yes. Closest, so uh, that's, and I'm actually kind of in a funk right now, so I'm like, Trying to get my groove back, actually. So, um, but I'm really excited. I'm just uh, uh, last week, uh, which we talked about building stuff. I actually built something out of wood last weekend. Good, which is crazy, um, and it hasn't collapsed yet. Even which is also even better. Uh, yeah, so just something for my desk because I have all this technology. I need a small mini tech tower to try to clean up my desk because uh, I bought an Amazon Echo Dot. Oh, okay, and, and I had like no room for it, which is totally. 
shameful because it's about the size of a hockey puck. <laughs> well, you so, need to be in the right location, right? Yeah, so so I built this thing so I could stack things on top of it, and uh, uh, you know, I just I don't have really a lot of equipment right. for building wood, so I just pieces together like Home uh, Home Depot will cut wood for you if you right if you know the dimensions, and so I drew the sketch, which is not to scale. Asked for a piece of wood to cut it and cut my, my stuff out and prayed that I knew enough to. To get done, so it worked. So that really got me excited. Wow, that. So you haven't set it on fire. That's good. I know that fire was not involved in the building process. That's uh, there actually are some really cool finishes you can do with fire. Oh, really? Like lightly char the wood and then put wax on it. But I don't think you want to do that now. Yeah, I don't want to do that when I have a. <laughs> no. I want to set that example in the neighborhood. There's like the guy who did uh, wood making with fire. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that sounds pretty cool. Um, but yeah, just uh, a lot of projects in the air. Uh, we've recently announced CSS Summit's lineup, um, which is, could grow a little bit more. Uh, Cut the Strategy lineup is out as well. And then um, working on the Accessibility Summit lineup for E4H. So um, that's really got me excited that uh, we've got those lined up so far in advance. And um, DevConf, we did the voting for that. Uh, the voting's done, and so now you go through and find out who's coming. Good. <laughs> the DevCop, so uh, what topics are coming? Because I have no idea. Yeah. I'll be there. Meg Foley will be there. Somebody will be there from O'Reilly. Oh, yeah. so. cool. We're looking and forward then, to it. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of opportunities in the air. I just need to sit down and uh, set myself to the desk, and then also I need to uh, exercise more. This is just a big uh, dump. This is probably what, not what you asked for. No, no, it's good. It's good. I can only exercise more. Like I go, to, I go to my local Dunkin' Donuts, but lately I'm forcing myself to walk there. Oh, that's, that's even better. That's like... That's even better. Like, that's probably good for me because my local Dunkin' Donuts is actually like the next city over. So for me to walk there, <laughs> mine is like half a mile. It's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I'm just trying to get to go to the gym and um, as much as I can and uh, get uh, get the energy back going and some of that too. So, but, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of cool projects uh, in front of me, and uh, just I had my health like the health issue was kind of an issue in January. But uh, but now I'm coming, coming back. The sun's out. Get my vitamin D. Get the day and hit the, hit the, you know, I don't know what the hay is supposed to mean, but uh, but yeah, get rolling. So I'm really excited about that. Really kind of jazz going forward. So, yeah. Great, great. I finally stopped sneezing too. So oh my gosh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs>